listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of Let's Talk Trio. I'm very excited to have this episode. You're going to hear it here in a little bit. Uh, It's the interview with Dr. Oscar Felix, uh, the much highly anticipated interview uh, with the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Dr. Oscar Felix is joining us in the program. I just wanted to say thank you to all of our supporters currently listening let's talk trio if you're downloading or streaming the episode we really greatly appreciate it i'd also like to thank the underwriter the university of northern colorado the graduate school has uh, picked us up for uh, ad sponsorship so we're the university of northern colorado uh, the graduate programs so uh, at the very beginning of the uh, episode or the very end of the episode you'll hear an ad please check them out uh, we really agree, greatly appreciate our, their sponsorship. Now, this uh, interview was very exciting for many reasons. For me, it gave me an opportunity to interview a person whose name I've been hearing in the trio world for a very long time. When I start, first started off as a professional, I would hear his name float around. Uh, and uh, as fate would have it, I was able to sit down with him and talk to him about his um, about his experiences, uh, his travel, uh, what Uh, college education has taught him Um, so this man is experienced he knows exactly what it means to be a first-generation student and um, his experiences working with trio programs and with the Council of Opportunity and Education so for me it was a huge honor to have Dr. Oscar Felix on the program and it's it's just been an amazing interview Uh, again you're all in for a a treat this uh, interview uh, was uh, fantastic to record Uh, The conversation was very laid back. Um, And Dr. Oscar Felix, again, a very honorable man, uh, did a lot of wonderful work for TRIO and has impacted the lives of many, many students. So I look forward uh, to you, the audience, looking looking, uh, at this uh, episode in particular and and giving me feedback about what you thought about uh, having a a TRIO legend like that um, on the podcast. Uh, so, and on, on the next episode, we will uh, have the panelists for the first generation event happening. Uh, so we'll have that uh, event happening soon. We'll be talking to uh, various pa- panelists for, for that particular episode. But what I wanted to say really quickly is uh, my appreciation to you, the audience. This podcast would not be possible without you. Um, I've been hearing great things so far, positive feedbacks from colleagues and from friends and family members who've listened to the podcast. And I, all I can say is I'm very appreciative, very happy with the feedback. Um, I'm open to critiques. I'm open to criticisms as well. You know, I'm, I'm not the most perfect interviewer, but I try my best. I will continue churning out episodes. Uh, you're all in for a treat, though, for this month. We have three interviews lined up. The one, this one for Dr. Oscar Felix, which is a treat in itself. Uh, then the panel interview or the panel uh, discussion. And then we'll also have a couple more interviews from Trio folks uh, as well. And the month of January looks like it's going to be picking up. Quick programming update. So we were meaning to record the episode for the Upward Bound program here at Colorado State University. We ran into a, ske- a schedule crunch and we decided that we it was just best just to reschedule. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to bring that episode to you in January. In the meantime, we're going to be looking for more interviewees, more people to share their stories here on Let's Talk Trio. So again, I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll see you at the end.
so I again I appreciate you doing this podcast episode. Um, yeah. I've been looking forward to interview someone with your caliber to kind of talk about the trio programs, but not only that, to expand that and talk about first generation. Ah, uh, go on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up your, your, your bio. <laughs> so I had to do a little bit of research on you. Um, yeah. And saw that you have been involved with the trio programs for quite a while before yeah. you. Uh, became VP or executive uh, assistant for VP. Right, uh, right. And then you uh, transitioned to helping first generation students and expanded from there. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. work. Right, right. Well, let me tell you, as I'm celebrating 30 years at CSU, I, I got here in the summer of 88. And I can tell you what I remember about that summer. That, that there were these fires at Yellowstone. It was a huge fire. So yeah. every evening, it was a lot of smoke. So when the sun was setting, it created this sort of uh, beautiful reddish uh, sunsets. And that led me to believe that this is what they call it, Colorado. Because, mm, yeah. and, and then I did some, some research and yeah, that not only because of the smoke, but for other reasons, the, 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 the sunsets had this uh, tint of red. Oh, so because wow. in uh, Colorado in, uh, is uh, Spanish uh, for red. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. So that, was, that was my introduction, and I got here in that summer, and then by that fall, I was working with Trio. And, and what gave me the skills and the experience is that I, on, as an undergrad, I worked at a financial aid office. Okay. So that's why the search committee said, well, hey, you know how to help students get through that. And, and it was a brand new grant, brand new. They just received it. So I was very, very lucky. To, to be part of that. That's amazing. Yeah. So who, yeah. who is Dr. Oscar Felix outside of CSU? Who are you, like some of your passions, some of the things that you like? Yeah. What, what are you things, <laughs> what, what, what are you outside of CSU? Okay, who are uh, you as a citizen, I like to uh, run, I like to jog around. <laughs> and I've been doing that for, for many years and I love to travel, it's just my passion. And I'll talk to that about that later, how I have connected my love of travel connecting that to first generation and Pell students so that they can gain that experience because it has done so much for me. Um, as a person, I, I am the, the son of a tuna fisherman and, mm -hmm. and my dad uh, fished tuna back in the day in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And first it was with a uh, line. It wasn't nowadays with a catcher with a net. Back then, line fishing. It, line fishing, yeah. Wow. And if you ever see videos of it on, on YouTube, they're like just like one after the other. They're just cranking them in. Yeah. And so, so that that so that's how he built his his sense of who he was. And, and as a, as a man who only completed the fifth grade, but able to have a job that that it was pretty labor intensive. You had to you built a lot of muscle. And but without an education, that was how he was able to give us and, and we lived in Mexico back then um, sort of like a middle class sort of um, lifestyle uh -huh. so it meant a lot to him <coughs> now uh, when we moved to the United States when I was 11 soon after that he he uh, became you know he had to have open heart surgery and and then the tuna industry by then uh, in, uh, in Southern California was moving out to other places in the world mm -hmm. right so all of a sudden he lost that. He lost his job. He lost his identity, and it was really harsh for him. He, he suffered a lot. And by this time, I was getting ready to go to college, and he there was no income. There was no, <laughs> uh, but but 
because I, w I qualified for student aid, qualified for Pell Grant, for California Grant. I was able to go to college, and so that's what informed my deep commitment to, to this profession, is that experience of seeing my father struggle with how he was not able to provide for us anymore, how it was really hard for him for us to rely on public assistance. Mm -hmm. And this was an early, late 70s, early 80s, and, and back then, uh, if you remember uh, President Reagan's, uh, his way of helping poor people was to take all this uh, government cheese out of all, all these caves where it was being stored mm -hmm. and just give it to, to the poor. Yeah. So, so we had government cheese in our house, and and that helped us. That helped us. And but again, it informed me of what what a well thought out and intentional government program could do to permanently get people out of poverty, and and and, and I and not help me in in the most direct way, right? Yeah. And I was able to get a degree, and. <laughs> I got a degree in international relations because I wanted, uh, back then the Cold War was still very much hot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was hot. Yeah. And with the Soviet Union, and then that got resolved in some ways in, in the early 90s. And then I'm here uh, with an international relations degree and uh, with in Fort Collins. So. Yeah. Yeah. Your experiences have really shaped you as a person. Uh, so growing up, uh, you wanted to help students as well. So coming up as, a, as your undergraduate degree and going through international relations, what was your, what was your experience like at, uh, in college? Uh, was CSU the, your first college of choice or did you go somewhere no, else? No, so I grew up in, in East County, San Diego and uh, Monta Vista High School. Uh, that's where I went and uh, it's, it's hard for this is the reminders of how old I am because I'm always like oh, to to the youngest. You don't remember this, right? So <laughs> you don't remember the Cold War, but we our our contempt and hate for the Soviets and the Soviet Union was so uh, it was so deep that that's what informed the national debate about what do we want to how do we fight a war? Who are our enemy? And and because of that, I always wanted to be someone who was an agent for bridging those gaps and, and creating peace. And, and so that informed my desire to then um, make a difference um, through, through that. And so, yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah, cool. yeah. And so, yeah. But but uh, I wasn't sure uh, if I didn't answer your question. No. Oh no no I did you did you uh, again a lot of what you experienced and a lot of what you've uh, gone through you really have reflected and have been intentional about your work mm -hmm. it seems like right. um, when you're when we're talking about students of first generation um, and you reflecting on your experiences um, what was kind of your first kind of dealing with that what was uh, what either a, a position that kind of started helping you, or not even helping you, but even uh, starting to sure. work with students directly on that. Well, let me go back. Yeah. Let, let me let me tell you a story about food and uh, about burritos. That absolutely. That, that <laughs> I, I want to hear this. Yeah. This is this so, is. So, uh, we're still back in Mexico, and I, I'm the youngest. So our eldest, uh, uh, eldest brother, um, Alfredo, he he was gonna. 
go to college. So we lived in Baja, which is the peninsula that is sort of removed from Mexico City, which is the capital. And in Mexico, uh, Mexico City is the capital of everything, cultural, educational, yeah. government. So he wanted to go to uh, the Universidad Nacional uh, de Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, UNAM. And so that was like a, a bus. He had to take the bus. We didn't have m- money to, to send him on, on a plane. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, I think it was two or three nights that he had to be on that bus. So my mom cooked all this food that morning for him to take, right? Yeah. So all these, uh, and, and, and he, she made these amazing homemade flour tortillas along with um, uh, shredded beef. And, mm-hmm. and if, if you, and, and it's what the Puerto Ricans call the ropa vieja, oh, yeah. which is like that shredded beef, and mm-hmm. it's just, oh my gosh. It's, it's just amazing. It's just tender. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's good. So she just made a huge batch of those. <laughs> and um, she, uh, when she, he's getting on the, on the, on the bus, um, she just gives him all this food that I thought we were gonna like when we come back eat that. But she goes, I'll take it. So, so I'm thinking, so I'm thinking that's my first thinking. Uh, okay, so I want to go to college too. Yeah, <laughs> that motivated you. Right that's there. right. That was if, motivation. If, if, if she cooked all the food and, and give it to him, uh, then I want to go to college so right. I can get food as well. Now, you know that the, the promise of uh, burritos that does not sustain a college dream, right? There's there's much more to it. So. Oh sure, sure. <laughs> but but that was uh now w- w- the other things when I was in undergrad well let me go back to my senior year um, as a as a student I I did pretty well yeah. I, I was uh, I was a schoolboy I was I'm pretty nerdy I, I I was in in AP classes and uh, I was uh, a band geek you know I played the saxophone oh saxophone that. right on. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the marching band for for my freshman year in high school, and right I also was a little bit of a jock. I, I did varsity soccer, I did varsity um, cross country, and mm-hmm. um, so all that to say that I had pretty good credentials, pretty good credentials yeah. for especially for for a kid who um, just had come from Mexico about six years before that. So, yeah. um, but but. Um, October of my senior year, um, I am talking to uh, my friend who, whose dad had a college degree and whose dad had taken us to the, well, taken me along with him, but my, my one and only college fair mm-hmm. and where I got, you know, I got some brochures and pamphlets from the Naval Academy, from Montana State, and all that. Yeah. And but here we are, in November first, and we're having lunch. Um, my, my friend's name is Chris, so Chris is telling me, "Oh, did you apply for uh, Cal Poly?" And I said, uh, "No." He says, "Well, the deadline was the end of October." And I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. And and that was like the 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 major that I wanted and, and architectural engineering. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, okay, well, th- then after that, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And there was no advisor, no counselor from my high school came to me and say, hey, look, <laughs> here's, a, here's a Mexican kid with a high GPA and AP classes. Nobody said, oh, you, what are your plan? Nobody came to me. So then I just defaulted to going to a community college. And which, 
was not and ended up being a good thing. But as we know, if you go to community college, it, the uh, the rate for, for first-gen students to then come out of that and transfer are just so low, right? It's, it's much better to, to uh, plus, it was just depressing as heck. It yeah. was shitty. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Yeah, because there was not the student life that, uh, looking back, I know why I was miserable, because there was no meaningful connections that I had. Yeah. And... And then when I transferred to a four-year university, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Difference. Difference. Yeah. Totally. Totally difference. I got to, and plus, there was an international university, truly international. So I had a chance to then study in London uh, as, as part of that college experience. I, I met a lot of good friends. It was just people from all over the world. I... Um, and of course, I would be remiss to say, remiss to say, um, if I didn't mention that, that's why I met my the person who would become my wife and the mother of my children. So yes, okay. yeah. So yeah. It, that is uh, so. And in fact, uh, Bernadette, who I met there, was from Fort Collins, and then she decided to move back to Fort Collins. And I said, hey, I can, I can, I can join you there later on. Yeah. I'll finish my degree and I'll, and I'll. And I'll join you in Fort Collins. So finished my degree, packed up everything I own in this little hatchback, mm -hmm. and here it was. Soon after that, I got my job at CSU in December of '88 as a counselor, mm -hmm. and that was amazing. I got to drive around all over northern Colorado to yeah. to talk to students, high school, middle school students, tell them about college, why they should go, and uh, but but it was getting that grant off the ground. So my 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 training was here's a three inch thick grant proposal <laughs> page 99 has the implementation part and page uh, <laughs> uh, but then it, it, it was I, I learned through trial and error what works at least with my approach so I knew with my approach was if, if I'm being charged of of getting students to really open up their minds about the possibilities. With my style, I couldn't go into the classroom and, and, and do that. It just wasn't yeah. me. It, 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 it did turn out not to be my style. Mm. So my style was, I'm gonna get you out of where you are. I'm gonna fit you on a, in, a, in a van or a bus, and I'm gonna take you places. And that will create this, open up all these opportunities so you yeah. can see what's available. So we would go to Denver or other places to visit colleges and museums. and uh, the, the, But there was always a hook, right, with, especially with middle school students. Absolutely. Take it to, plus, uh, what was it, uh, Casa Bonita? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was still a draw. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm sure to the... To the to a middle school student, they're not saying, "Okay, you know what, Oscar? The food sucks there. I'm not gonna go." <laughs> no. all, all they were thinking about is, "I want to get out of class. I want right. to get out of this boring class, and then and go on this, go on, get on yeah. the, and then yeah." Uh, so that so that's where I found out that was the hook. And in fact, I I then have taken that to almost the extreme in in my year stance, which is not only do I take students now out of their city yeah. or out of the state, I take them out of the hemisphere, out of the country. So oh, wow. yeah. I teach in the student affairs program, and so we go to places like Morocco. I read, and, yeah. Yeah, Morocco and uh, Korea and, and Vietnam. And so, and, and it works. Yeah. It, we all know it works, right? And 
And I think particularly with first-gen students is that you're seeing the world uh, like you never had before. And then you can have those conversations about, okay, what does this mean? How does this relate to your identity? How does this relate to your goals? How does this relate to your, your uh, what do you want to be in 10, 15 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how I found my, my way of, of working with students who are first-gen. It's, uh, it's, it's, in some ways, it's very quite specific, right? It's not, I'm not the, I'm not good about academic support. I, I in fact, I was a very, perhaps, <laughs> not a typical student. I, I wouldn't, I, I, I didn't have good study habits. I did everything at the last minute. So I didn't have that background to say, look, you know, plan your, and, yeah, so that's how I made it work for me. I, I, I connected what I love and what worked for me with how I then help students see the world. That's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Through, the, through those traveling journeys, your students must have made a lot of connection with you and with the program and have uh, been able to expand their horizons. Yeah. Um, does it one trip uh, in particular stick out with you in mind that you, you feel that's most memorable? Yeah. Yeah, it. Uh, I think the first one because it, it like like anything as as one that is I'm, at my age now I'm just like always preaching or saying you you know try this try that it's always about the first step, so it we uh, back in back when I was uh, uh, no I think I was assistant director of talent search and I wanted my program that um, was, was only four years old, and uh, we wanted to take it to the next step. We wanted it to be more high profile. Mm-hmm. We wanted students to say, I want to be part of the program. So we thought, why don't we, we've never been out of state, why don't we um, rent a bus and go down to New Mexico? And, and we didn't have much money, and we stayed in, I remember in Albuquerque, through the goodness of some church, we stayed in their basement, right? Which is unheard of now. It's like, oh my God, just stay in their basement. <laughs> right, right. You, need, you need to stay at a Marriott now. You're like, how horrible. You're gonna <laughs> but back then, we, we made it happen just on a shoestring budget, and the students loved it. It, yeah. it connected the students to the program, to the advisors, to, and, uh, and that's when I said, oh my gosh. Even though uh, we just barely made it happen, the the return of investment was just incredibly yeah because then well, well first of all you're you're on the bus with like six hours oh yeah it's and a six so, hour trip right so the students <laughs> can't ignore you right so yeah. so you you develop this comment yeah you gotta talk to me <laughs> <laughs> you have to talk to me about your goals you have to talk to me about what your life interests are tell me about your family and yeah. so that it's so that and that can happen, so that was the magic that I discovered. So it can happen on a bus, it can happen on a subway ride when we're in, in Seoul, South Korea, when we're coming back from something mm-hmm. at, at three in the morning because, or whatever, and then you, those are the magical moments where the being in, in out of your element mm-hmm. and in a way that you can think broadly and, and, and then you'll find those points of connection. And, and so that so that magic is not necessarily that happens on on trips, but for example, in Upper Bound, that happens during the um, the summer program. Oh yeah. When when you are relating to students over yeah, 
a long period of time where when you go rafting or so so that's yeah so that's my style is, is just do stuff yeah yeah because if you're gonna if i need to sit in front of you and tell you about the fast fight you like gonna like throw oh, on. glaze over yeah glaze yeah. over <laughs> like, throw, like why are you yeah yes yeah, sir yes yeah, sir yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Um, I remember uh, my experiences with Up or Down and talking to my director. Um, I think, uh, and I, I, I just want to emphasize your point. Yeah, that those moments of clarity for me came during those trips. Right. It's, right. it's like I do want to pursue education. I do want to go outside of my house and do other things. This is. I don't want this to be the rest of my life. I want it to be. I want it to mean something more. Mm-hmm. And uh, those moments moments of clarity for a lot of students do come with those trips and. Uh, right. Not just those trips, but uh, forming those connections with advisors. Um, what would be something that you would emphasize, I mean, to your colleagues or to anybody that's advising students, uh, something that they could say to, to make that connection to first-generation students who may not necessarily know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to, how to approach an advisor uh, about talking to them about sure. my goals and aspirations. Yeah. I Sorry, would that say was that kind of a loaded question. No, no, it's, it's important. I think... To, to find the best way for you to be yourself. And, and I know there's a lot of advisors who can go into the schools and in that environment be able to connect and, and be great advisors. They don't need these extra things to, they don't need to take them places, right? Right, right. And if that's your style and if that's your strength, then go for it and, and don't feel like you need to do anything else. I think what, when students come back and visit us once they are graduated. They they tell you, you know, they remember people. They don't remember necessarily, necessarily remember a a an academic session or they, they remember they remember Juan or they remember Sean or they remember Carmen. They remember Paul. They remember Oscar. Right. You know, they, they remember that person and, like and, that, and person. that yeah. person. And that's what the program means to them. Is is the person. Yeah. Not, not necessarily that the program has these objectives and the program provides this kind of support or a stipend. Or, you know, they remember a person. Exactly. So, so t- to the extent that that advisor can make that connection, then go with that. Go with that and, and don't compare yourself because if there's another advisor that is doing this and that. Because and, I remember those days. Like yeah. you're always like, comparing yourself. Oh, my gosh. So-and-so can go in and just razzle-dazzle the students with um, telling jokes and and, and presenting this career workshop in a way that is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And I always felt that less than because of that. And, but if I was to go back, I would just say, you know what, sure, great power to that person, but here's how I contribute and yeah. here's how I can help. So yeah, so just find who you are, your approach, and, and be good with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you've developed this style uh, that you brought into your position. Um, have you? What have you done since to really either expand on the number of students you're serving or uh, have addressed other populations that have, are still underserved? Yeah. So as I grew into more positions of authority and power and title and all that, I became more of a administrator. So <laughs> <laughs> became a bureaucrat. and uh, But I used that to uh, – uh, well, first of all, never – I'm glad I was an advisor and assistant director because you never forget what it's like to drive for two hours to Fort Morgan to brush or drive an hour and a half to Commerce City early in the morning to go meet with students that you have 
they have to do that a long drive then go to the school it, it, it is hard work it is hard work and, and because I wouldn't I never forget that never forgot that I was able to then create support for all this for the spaces I was leading mm-hmm. so provide opportunities for the, the advisors celebrate them taking out I always joke about, hey, uh, you've done so much work, I'm gonna reward you with a steak sandwich. So that became like uh, my, <laughs> now they tease me, say, Oscar, you owe me 300 steak sandwiches. So. <laughs> but, but, I, but I always wanted to do that. It's like, it, it, uh, for all the hard work that you're doing, goodness, I, there's gotta be places to celebrate. Absolutely, right? yeah. Places to celebrate. So I brought that lens to my leadership uh, within uh, leading access and, and trio programs. The other thing is I, I worked to to find more money because that was that was part of the job is more resources from CSU, mm-hmm. more resources from from the federal government, from donors, from from that, and yeah, um, I think one that I uh, I think I I then perhaps I could have done a better job is is integrating what we do more fully into what the university does and. So, but now there's a lot of those um, through leadership of, of other folks who are doing wonderful work have brought the, the ethos of access and, and land-grant mission of serving the, the um, and, and to some extent I'm doing that right now through the First Generation University Initiative is to how do we help the university do more or how to help units and, and, and um, divisions and colleges be more intentional about how they how they engage first gen students. Yeah. And here's here's where we are 30 years 30 years later, I think when when I was hired, I was hired because I had the background, the skills and the commitment, but not necessarily any tangible experience doing that particular job because that brand was brand new. So there were a lot of trial and error. I did a uh, believe me, a lot of errors. A lot of trials and a lot of errors, but eventually, and then eventually, we did find a great curriculum, a great way to engage students, and then I hire some really cool staff that was able to then be great. Right now, my my thought is right now we that's where we are at CSU. There's commitment. There's perhaps some resources, not a lot, yeah. but it is where do we start doing the trial and error, trial and error, and I think that's what the scary part is, because who's going to do it yeah right the, the, the scariest part is that failure aspect it's, right it's uh having to learn from that and moving on i think that a lot of our i want to not uh, not only at csu but there's a, a general kind of feeling across the board where if you have to take an initiative what if you fail at that initiative, yeah it doesn't get taken up again yeah and the boss is the boss will say see i told you or, or the university will say that yeah. right yeah so it's all high risk and no reward mm-hmm. and i think we need to change that is to say for administrators or the boss to say, we're gonna do this and I'm gonna support you no matter what. And if it doesn't work, we're gonna try it differently next time. Or we're gonna right. do something something different and keep trying. Because right now, there are things happening uh, all around the university. There's there's open houses or pizza parties or meet the dean or, which are wonderful, great. Right. And But how do we do that in a more intentional way? And also how do we then we take it to the next level, right? How do we uh, or in how we coordinate all that. Yeah. So. Um, I think that it also can be related to students that, uh, first-generation students that are afraid to fail. 
and when they're going through the first two years of college and they they get do uh, their motivation just saps from them right. or they, they don't feel like that this is worth their time anymore so we can almost make that parallel of students who are also in taking their own initiative this is college this is the first try mm -hmm. and uh, that fear of failure of uh, if I don't succeed at this then I'm gonna be get labeled by my own family as, as a complete failure and I think sure. you can almost draw parallels between two yeah. about the first generation of staff who I wanna, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready to do this I, I yeah. want to do this right and, and versus students that are um, this is their first time in college and this is a kind of like a make or break moment for them it is it is it's like yeah yeah if, if if you don't have the the full backing of the people who are helping you with this then you're less likely to take a chance Absolutely. yeah yeah. Uh, so you've held a lot of uh, positions uh, within, not only within CSU, but outside of CSU. Uh, I've read that you've also uh, served as a uh, part of the Council, the Council for Opportunity and Education. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how was that experience <laughs> like? It was awesome. <laughs> it was. So I, thanks to early mentoring from from my bosses and, and including Paul Thayer, who who said this. If you're going to go, for, if you're going to work for Trio, it, it's just more than a job, right? Yeah. It, it, you oh, need yeah. to be committed at different, uh, uh, deeper levels, and so I took that to heart, and I was involved in at the state level, at the regional level, at the national level, and and because of that, over the years, my commitment to the profession was clearly evident at the national level, but that was building my body of work my <laughs> i was nurturing uh and i was i was a good it was i was good at what i was doing right yeah um, i i was strong in 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 advocacy and in 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 developing programs so that was recognized at the national level but i got the opportunity to be the chair of the board of directors which oversees the council for yeah. opportunity and education wow and and so that's it's equivalent of be it's it's being the president of your of your profession right of, oh, of what yeah. you do yeah. right yeah and it's a big honor I, I think though uh, I um, early in my career I had aspirations for it so you know the ego plays and then and it didn't work out because of things and then all of a sudden I get this call and saying dude we need you to run and and then I got another call and then uh, I got a, I got a meeting, and then I just got a, just accosted by all my peers. You got to run, you got to run, and and I did. And but what helped was that I'd had probably for the previous five or six years had done work outside of Trio and had worked with NASPA, which is Student Affairs, and I did their international symposium. I did uh, was part of their knowledge. Uh, communities and and gain a lot of uh, different ideas how they did their conferences so I brought all those ideas to my leadership position at CLE and was able to bring in a lot of those elements to to uh, to CLE that you know like communities of practice uh, I helped develop the the first in the nation uh, graduate certificate program that focuses on college access and success mm -hmm. so those are CSU credits that the people earn and 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 if they complete the 15 credits they get a certificate program in on college access and success yeah so that's pretty cool so i helped that is amazing yeah so uh, along with my colleague andrew reeve and and others we we developed that and so yeah yeah, yeah so that was that was good i 
um, a lot of time away from family and, and, and the office. So those, those are the, the consequences of doing that. So things get neglected. And so there's always something that you pay, yeah. pay for when you come back from all that. But yeah, but one heck of an experience. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dr. Paul Thayer. Um, I was told by Upper John colleagues that uh, we should have a future podcast episode with you two because you have a ton of stories that oh, you yeah. to share. So <laughs> <laughs> I heard that you all go uh, way back, so it'd be interesting yeah. to have you on a future podcast with you and Paul Thayer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot more stories than I do. So. <laughs> you, have, you have plenty of very good stories. No, he's uh, awesome. No, no. He, he, is, he is a legend. So and, and I was very fortunate to be hired by him. And be uh, mentored by him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, as as we're talking uh, about this, let's talk to a podcast and expanding it. Uh, you had mentioned. Uh, I recall one of our conversations, early conversations, when we were talking about the podcast. You said, "How about expanding this?" So I've been giving that a lot of, uh, right, a lot of right. thought and expanding this podcast to probably uh, let's talk trio to, to expand it to first generation students or sure. even students uh, or just to expand it to something about uh, college access. Uh, for me, that's something that is still kind of a pressing, uh, pressing issue for me that I still want to uh, give voice to students and uh, allow them to uh, express themselves on a podcast. But for you, looking back and uh, seeing all the body of work that you've done, um, can you point to a specific uh, position or p a particular initiative that you're most proud of? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are uh, good questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let me start with with the Global Access Program and Global Access Award, mm -hmm. and 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 this ties back to to expanding beyond Trio, right? So we have a our colleague here at Colorado State, uh, Tom Bischoff, who's the director of financial aid. Which, by the way, financial aid and Trio started. In the very same place, Title Five. Oh, no way. I mean, I'm sorry, Title Four. Title yeah, higher, no Title way. Four, Higher Education Act. Yeah. Title Four, Section Two, uh, is Town Search, and Section One is a program that we signed to. Uh, that later became the program, right? So, um, yeah. So Tom, Director of Financial Aid, he through some really good work, he was able to do some. He implemented some. Uh, some um, additional ways to find out who truly is eligible for financial aid that then created some savings to the university and by not allowing people who, who not, don't qualify for that financial aid. So that allowed for this pool of money to be available. And from that, he said, hey, anybody has any ideas about what we can do with that money? And of course, submitted an idea of why don't we create a, some money to set aside Mm -hmm. to students who are Pell, first gen, who want to study abroad but need money focus on that. Yeah. So then we created the Global Access Award specifically for that. It, the students need to do certain things, right? Yeah. Get the passport, go to s be part of, of a community that learns about that. So, so now That's is, awesome. yeah. So I believe so much in that that uh, as I'm retiring, um, I'm promising the university uh, uh, some money out of my out of my estate uh, in, to go towards the global access. That's amazing. Yeah. So so is uh, the Felix 
global access program, and and so that funded that that we were to tell students yeah. who who want to have a study abroad experience again connecting those two things that I feel passionate about, which is um, a, a an international experience for first generation Pell students. It's amazing. Yeah. And sorry, I'm a little stunned because you said as I'm retiring, and that kind of stunned me a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, no right. way, that is not happening already. <laughs> Yeah, it's happening in four weeks. Four no, weeks. what? Yeah. It feels yeah. like I, I just got to know you, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like uh, uh, that we've been meeting a little bit more, and I've really just been drawn to your story and drawn to the work that you've done at CSU. Uh, so that's what stunned me. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, my gosh, what? <laughs> no. No. Um, I, I'll, still, I'll still be around in some ways, so I teach in the student affairs and higher education program. Yeah. So I'll be still teaching in that, and and also I'll be teaching a, a class for for key. Okay. And this uh, class is um, um, that will lead to a field experience to the Dominican Republic. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so amazing. I'll be doing a couple of things here. Yeah. So you'll, <laughs> you'll be you'll be seeing me around. Uh, I I keep saying that hopefully not like the dude that hangs out around the parking lot uh, after graduating from high school. Yeah. You know <laughs> <laughs> you're that guy. Yeah, that guy. Like, what's he doing here? <laughs> um, I've heard that you're doing semester abroad, or the semester at sea, sorry. Semester at sea, right. Next semester. Yeah, so my last day at the university is December 31st. On January 1, I get on a plane to fly to San Diego, mm-hmm. along with my wife, Bernadette, and then we embark Amazing. on January 2nd. And then our daughter is going to join us as well. That's yeah, amazing. so it's amazing. 12, 12 ports. Yeah. And four months out there uh, on the seas and, and learning. And, and so it's amazing. People say it's life-changing. Yeah. So so retirement is already life-changing. So a semester at sea will probably be, yeah, be, be that as well. Yeah. So I'll come back May 1, and I'll just be... Walking the earth, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing, <laughs> Dr. Oscar Felix. I appreciate yeah. your time yeah. and I appreciate the story that you shared. Yeah. Um, this has been an amazing story to hear. Uh, yeah. Just to hear you from uh, your humble beginnings to developing all these programs at CSU and expanding outside of that as well. Yeah. So you've done uh, an amazing body yeah. of work. So. Yeah. Yeah, and before we leave, I just want to acknowledge we, we did this in front of a live audience, so we had that. <laughs> Alicia Sprague. Alicia, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Being, uh, thank you, Alicia. It was an honor. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So, so if you heard uh, bags rustling or <laughs> running up and down, that was Alicia That's taking care, care of things in the background. Yeah, um, this was an amazing episode, uh, Dr. Felix. So yeah. uh, hopefully we can have you again on a future episode. I think we agreed that <laughs> once you get step off foot, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, once you get off uh, yeah. the semester at sea, do another follow-up interview yeah. at sea and just really talk yeah, about your experiences there. Yeah. yeah, talk more stories. Yeah, that would more be stories. great. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Juan. Absolutely. Thank you. What a fantastic interview we just had with Dr. Oscar Felix. It made me reflect on my own experience as a first-generation student and how much that means to many students who are currently listening, to the staff members also listening and impacting those lives. Uh, it, it's such an inspiration, right, to hear this uh, story of resilience and grit and uh, to know that you're not alone. To the students that are listening, you're not alone in this experience. Being a first-generation, being low-income, being uh, whatever label uh, people put on you, Uh, You're a pioneer 
in your family. You're the one going out and venturing into unknown territory. I want to let you know that you're not alone in this. And we can certainly know that there is a lot of support out there for you uh, to see you through college, to make sure that you attain a post-secondary education. And it's not just important that students attain a college degree. I think it's also important that students identify what they're passionate about. More often than not, I think students are uh, guided into saying, oh, just major in anything, major in whatever. But I think you still truly need to find your passion. Um, for me, it was broadcasting, it was communication. Um, and it still led me to a path of education through TRIO and then through the, through the position that I hold at Colorado State University as the outreach and support uh, success coach. For me, it's important uh, for students to feel supported. So that's, uh, it, that's what I, my takeaway was from this interview was I left inspired. I, I left with a greater knowledge of TRIO. Um, and again, Dr. Oscar Felix just provided it in a phenomenal interview. And um, we, we just really enjoyed it. So the clicking in the, uh, uh, that you heard in the background was uh, we did have an additional guest, uh, and as you heard in the podcast. But uh, uh, it was very enjoyable to to have that, to, to have someone there and listening to the story as well. Um, I just enjoyed it. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, so for next week's episode, or for next episode, we will get the panel, the first-generation panel at Colorado State University featuring Dr. Oscar Felix, Dr. Paul Thayer, Marilyn Thayer, and Andrea Reeve. Uh, I look forward to uh, uploading that episode pretty soon for you all. And again, it was an exciting panel conversation um, and just hearing the origins of TRIO and the word, the key words of first generation, what that meant, I think uh, does provoke some conversation. Uh, yeah, so I hope you all enjoy. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you share. Uh, make sure you talk about this podcast. Share it with many others. Um, again, we are non as a nonprofit podcast, uh, all I'm seeking is just funding for uh, equipment upkeep and um, compensating uh, my producers and my collaborator, my, the collaborators who put all this together. That way, uh, we keep this show uh, and this episode with the highest quality and integrity as possible. So that's it. Thank you all very much for for listening. I will catch you next time.